Hello and welcome to the TBG Real Estate Podcast, where we connect you with some of the most innovative and exciting real estate leaders today. We will show you that there are numerous paths to a successful career in the real estate industry, and that some of your greatest missteps can be turned into your greatest triumphs. Without further ado, here's the head of TBG Real Estate, Chris Papa. All right, folks, welcome to this episode of the TBG Real Estate Podcast. I am your host, Chris Papa, and today we have a very special guest, Mr. Brady Nolan. Brady is the co-founder and chief growth officer at Till. How you doing, Brady? I'm doing great, Chris. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited. Thanks for joining us. You are in the D.C. area or in proper D.C. or outside D.C.? I can never tell with that stuff. We are just, I am just over the line, uh, the Bethesda, Maryland area, Chevy Chase, Maryland, to be precise, uh, just over the line in D.C. And our pre-COVID office was uh, was in D.C. Gotcha. How are things in D.C.? Like I just told you off off air, I'm going to be in New York next week. I, I, I haven't heard much about what's going on in D.C. besides, I mean, the election, all that kind of stuff. But as far as like COVID-wise. Yeah, we try to ignore that. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, things are good. I mean, it, it's uh, it's a beautiful fall day. Uh, it is, uh, I think, from a COVID perspective, things are, are doing pretty well. My kids are mostly back to school, uh, halftime. And, uh, you know, we're just preparing for a nice fall. My son's 10. I'm in California. Not, what is, not, they're, they're all, he's still remote, 100%. What, what's halftime like, two days a week or? Yeah, my seven-year-old is is two days in, three days on the Zoom. My five-year-old is five mornings a week, and my two-and-a-half-year-old is three mornings a week. That's great. Oh, I wish they did that here. Well, Till, can you tell the world about Till? Yeah, so uh, Till is what we call a financial experience platform for renters and landlords. And, and really what we are uh, building and aiming to be is the best in the world at understanding the renter and their financial uh, circumstances and how those financial circumstances affect their ability to pay rent and then build tools and products that optimize their ability to pay rent. So they have a better experience in the home. The landlord makes more money. Uh, the, the renter is financially better able to function throughout the month because rent is the driver of their financial month. It's their biggest expense. And then there's a number of downstream effects like lower turnover because the experience is better and we, we remove a huge lift from the site teams and managing delinquent renters and, and things like that. But that's generally uh, the, the idea that we can align the value proposition for the renter and the landlord so that both of them benefit from optimizing the performance within the home. Sounds great. Can you give me an example of how it works? Do you, like if I'm going to be, I want to rent a place at, you know, ABC village or whatever. And, uh, they charge me, I guess three grand a month for rent. Like how would I, would I come to you? Do I, do, I, do you, are you part of the ABC village? Like, how does that work? Yeah. So we, we partner with, with mostly institutional landlords, we do have some sub-institutional uh, partners, but for the most part, we we go in and we partner with a, an owner-operator or an owner and deploy through their management company. And that partnership 
gives us rights to work with the renters and, and helps us deploy our products into the renter base. The renter must enroll, must apply. And that's how we get access with the, the um, our financial analytics platform is through that enrollment process. And then we facilitate the payment. We design custom lease structures through one of our products, which is called Flexible Rent, which is designed to align income and rent payment uh, to one um, uh, keep rent as a prioritized payment. You know, we forever ha- as landlords and I, myself and my, my partners and many of the people who work at, at the business, um, have been, have been landlords, have been operators. And, um, we, we recognize that since the dawn of the lease modern day lease structure, we as landlords have all said, like, it's easier for us to collect rent in full, mm-hmm. but nobody gets paid that way. And for the most part, renters are paying half of their net income in rent, post-tax income. And and we've said it's easier for us to collect in one check at the beginning of the month. We know that you don't get paid uh, once, but just hold on to your money throughout the month, even though there's all these other things grabbing at it, like car payments and uh, insurance and groceries but hold on to it because it's easier for us and just pay us in full on the first of the month. Uh, We've seen that by deploying into the community, we can align rent to keep those on-time renters on time through budgeting and things like that. And we've designed these custom structures so that renters that are constantly kind of just challenged and late payers, we can actually move them to become on-time payers in not all that long of a time period through this analytics and, and intelligence platform and struck the right way to structure payments. So if I'm going to rent at this complex and mm-hmm. I'm, I, I want to enroll in this cause I have a hard time paying rent on time. Um, do you, I roll with till and then till pays the landlord the first of the month, whatever, let's say a grand a month or something. And then, but it takes 20, you know, $250, a week out of my paycheck or something? How does how does that work? Yeah, well, it's it's a when when you come and enroll, and we can work with the beauty of the platform is you have all there's all these different types of renters from a payments perspective. There's those that are just really great, reliable, on time payers, and that's the 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 renter that the landlord likes the most. They spend the least amount of time having to collect the rent from that renter. There's a renter that is constantly behind and just working hard and but it just can't seem to get ahead and then with with covid and um and the regulatory restraints that have been or constraints that have been put on the landlord through eviction moratoriums and things like that you have many more renters with bigger balances that are still in the home because they can't the landlord can't file evictions um so those are your kind of three general renter types we can work with all of them and, and so the idea is we want to keep the on-time renter on time. So we're actually working with their, their payments in advance of the first of the month. Mm-hmm. These are renters that are already trying to budget, do their best at budgeting. We just help them do it better. Um, facilitate the movement of the money, design the best budgeting for them. Um, and, and so that's just really designed to, again, keep rent prioritized, keep them on time. And we, we, lo- we would love that every renter enroll prior to them becoming behind when they're an on-time payer so we can keep more on time. 
Then there's the constantly late renter. They can enroll at any time as long as they can make the rent in the, the month that rent is due in full by the end of that month. And so the, the landlord will get receive their payments as they're coming in from the renter, but facilitated and administered by us. And then over on average three months, we are helping that renter and transitioning that renter to becoming an on-time payer through this intelligent scheduling, through recognizing when in the month they have excess cash flow, pointing that towards the following month, helping them get transition from paying their rent uh, after the due date to before the due date. With the landlord, do you have to guarantee that you're going to be paying the rent? Like, say, like how do how are you? I mean, I, I can see the incentive for the landlord, like they're getting paid every month. But what if you're not getting paid every month by the tenant? Yeah, it's an interesting question. Um, our first product, we we when we founded the business, we actually founded it with a credit product. We called it the rental loan. And a renter would come to us when they were in a jam, couldn't make rent. We'd lend them the money, but pay it to the landlord and the renter would pay us back. Um, the challenge with that product is it's a credit product. We have to go do really deep uh, credit-based underwriting. We're taking the payment risk, but the landlord's holding on to all the security. They still in the home, they have the eviction rights and all that. And it really capped the number of people that we could really work with. Um, there are other platforms out there that have a similar product today, and they're seeing the same kind of enrollment rates that we were just like 1% of the renter base, right? It doesn't make a dent. And so what we've learned is we built through that product, this amazingly sophisticated, uh, financial, um, analytics platform that can better underwrite the renter into these circumstances to move them forward into these structures that help turn them on time. We also learned that without that much time, without needing that much time, the renter, when rent is prioritized and structured correctly, can get themselves back on time if they're behind. And so what we do now and what allows us to work with all renters instead of only those that one will use credit and will qualify for credit, um, we go in and we we work on behalf of the landlord's balance sheet. We are not fronting the money. We are not taking the payment risk. The renter has to make the payments um, as, as scheduled for them to stay enrolled. And the landlord is giving them a little bit more time throughout the month to make those payments so long as they're moving forward and ahead every, mo every month. Uh, so we're servicing the landlord's balance sheet with our data, not our own balance sheet. That's good. And then are you guys... I mean, I'm sure it's, it's a for-profit business. Are you making money through, like, is there a margin somewhere? Yeah, we, we charge the renter uh, an enrollment fee only for those renters that are paying after, that need more time in the month. For, for renters that are on time, they're getting the platform for free. It's really amazing. They get an awesome budgeting tool. They yeah. get the ability for us to move the money electronically. And um, we have a really interesting product coming out um, that will, that will really be a tool to build renter credit scores. That's, that's, um, that we're rolling out in, uh, in November, be completely free for any renter enrolled in one of our products. Um, and then we, we released a second product in July, which is the same general foundation, but it takes the underwriting a step farther with a ability to pay underwriting what on top of rent. Can the, land, uh, can the renter really afford to pay each month? 
and we rolled it out for these renters that are severely delinquent, but still in the home. So we can really underwrite them into the optimal payment plan to capture their past due rent while they pay their current rent. Um, and, and so the, the landlord is, is covering that on, on a monthly basis, but only success base. The renter has to enroll. This is a renter who has otherwise kind of stopped paying rent. Mm-hmm. The renter's got to enroll and successfully make their payments. And then the, re- the, the landlord pays a little bit um, of money that month. Uh, so we make our money from the, the renter or the landlord, depending on the, the scenario. And what about with, I mean, can you work with affordable housing firms, like subsidize rents and stuff like that too? Yeah, we, we have, um, you know, you can, I think we should break affordable down into who's paying the rent. There's yeah. some affordable where the government's paying the rent. That's you know, vouchers and section eight and things like that. And then there is affordable where the renter is still paying, but the rents are capped and the mm-hmm. income uh, is capped for the renter, like low income housing tax credit properties. We are definitely active um, in the low income housing tax credit space where renter pays. Um, that renter looks a lot like a workforce housing renter. The incomes aren't that much different. The rents often aren't that much different. Uh, and, and so, yeah, we, we are active in that space now. And, and actually one of the probably the, the preeminent name in affordable housing, which is enterprise communities, mm-hmm. uh, they are actually a, an, an, a small investor in till they were one of oh, our, awesome. um, our corporate, uh, venture investors. Um, they had an innovation arm run by a guy named Matt Hoffman, um, who's, who's gone out on his own is doing some really cool stuff, um, from a venture and, and housing innovation standpoint and, and led a, an investment in us, uh, you know, er, early on. That's great. I also wish that you were around in my 20s because I, I really needed someone to, to pay my rent on time for me. Yeah, well, uh, I suspect it was more of a uh, of a uh, prioritization problem back then for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, 20-year-old running around in New York with the money in my pocket. It just, <laughs> the money didn't usually end up in the right place. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, awesome. So that sounds like I mean, an amazing product. How did you, how did you get there? What, can you tell us about Brady? Nolan, where'd you grow up? How did you, you know, your background, where did this interest come in? I see, I mean, you have a pretty extensive real estate, traditional, more traditional real estate career. Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, I, I, uh, I went to the university of Maryland and, and came out and, and my first job was, um, doing acquisitions for one of the major institutional multifamily owner, operator, manager, developer, builders. Where, where did the interest in real estate come from? Oh, it's a, that's an interesting question. I forever wanted to be the uh, the GM of, I guess it's now called the Washington football team. Uh, when I realized in college that that was unlikely to happen, um, I was, you know, having too much fun in college and didn't hadn't planned much and uh, for the summer and and I threw in a, uh, an application to intern at a real estate commercial land brokerage company based in Maryland. It's, it's actually uh, the governor of Maryland's uh, in his brother's business. Uh, this was oh, wow. before he was in politics. And uh, I went in and I loved it. This was the summer before my last year and my victory lap in college. And uh, I loved it. I did great. And, you know, but I had this idea as a, you know, 21 or 22 year old, that like, oh, I, you know, I don't want to be a broker. I, I want to be an owner having no idea what, what that actually meant. And, um, and, you know, had a good family friend who's one of the founders of the Bazzuto group. 
And I called him and said, like, I'm looking for a job in DC and where I want to be after school. Um, and he said, come work for me. Uh, oh, and so I went there and I was at Bazuto for five and a half years and, you know, really, you know, got a, just an amazing education in the business. They're a world-class organization, amazing people yeah. have built a huge company and worked alongside Toby and Stephanie Williams who runs the business. And you know, I probably learned more in 20 minutes in an investment committee meeting with Tom Bazuto than I had in all of college. The guy is amazing. Um, mm. And then, you know, I decided I had an opportunity um, to go help a, a, another business. Um, uh, so I, I left Bazuto. I, I was there through the downturn, which was pretty interesting. I kind of did a lot of like, you know, we weren't doing a lot of acquisition to go build new buildings in 2008. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, and I became kind of a utility player and I just worked with, you know, my boss on, just projects like where can we create value and so that was fun and then i went and worked with for a little bit with a company called gables one of the the, the yeah. a big um private read and um helped them tie up a site in in the northern virginia area and then i had this opportunity which was a really really cool and special four years um a a young ultra high net worth businessman based in dc who essentially is kind of the godfather of the modern day uh, data center industry, the first publicly okay. traded data center REIT. Um, he hired me to essentially set, uh, help stand up his family office focused on building apartments. Oh, cool. uh, oh wow. That's awesome. And so I did that for four years, um, but and built some really cool, you know, big, nice stuff. Got really passionate about the workforce housing space. You know, I, yeah. I joked, there's only so many meetings where you can have a, an hour conversation with highly paid consultants about, should we put in a, golf simulator or a dog washing station. And, uh, <laughs> it's like, I, you know, I want to do something different. And so I went out and I founded a company called, which I call Vecino Communities, Vecino being neighbor in Spanish, um, trying to acquire, uh, and I will highlight and underline trying, um, to, to acquire uh, you know, market rate workforce housing around the country, primarily Hispanic focus with the bet on like, really hardworking, really family friendly, uh, fast growth demographic in the country by the communities and put in place, you know, a, an amenity package that the resident base really, really wanted. Not the same like mm -hmm. kitchens and bathrooms, but safety and resident programming and community gardens and cool stuff like that. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. And, and then the second phase was we have this demographic. It's the fastest growing in the country. We're going to have all this data. I want to go and partner once we buy all these properties with fintech, health tech, ed tech companies to distribute products into the fastest growing demographic in the country. Yeah. And um, we ended up having an equity uh, issue on a deal and uh, ended up walking away from the business, learned a ton. And I got incredibly passionate about that second phase. And that was where it was really the like, I can go and help scale a business faster. That is a tech business versus a hard asset business. So that was mm -hmm. the beginning of the transition to me wanting to go and, and, and be involved in a technology business. Aha. And so the light bulb went off, right? Went off. And there, I mean, there is so, well, there's a lot of property. I mean, property technology is, you know, it's a fast growing segment. I'm not sure how it 
COVID's affected it. But right before, I, mean, I know the last couple of years, like in the recruiting end, like definitely have a lot of inquiries from people within real estate. How do I get into prop tech? Have a lot of like prop tech companies call me. I need salespeople. I need salespeople. Um, I mean, how did you pick this certain arena? How did you get into it? How do you start sure. into like property technology? Yeah, well, I mean, well, even before then, I had been kind of in and around the space a bit. I, you know, I had early on, like when um, Groupon and Living Social were really big, I had ideas and started planning out an app to uh, essentially use that to use a similar idea to amenitize smaller non-amenity buildings, essentially create mm-hmm. com- a community amenity package. Um, yeah. And then while I was at the family office, which was called Dalian Development, uh, I, I met a guy who I believe you've had on the show named Devin Wirt. And Love Devin. Devin's a great guy. Devin's fantastic. And I get this email one day. We're building this incredibly nice high-end building in Philadelphia with a huge fitness center. And I keep getting these emails from this guy. I'm like, I can't shake him. So finally, I'm like, all right, come to DC and meet with me. And- <laughs> I had gotten really passionate about this idea that like every building has nice amenities at this point, but turnover is still 50%. And in any other industry in the world, 50% churn is awful, right? So how do we change that paradigm? And as convinced it's through engagement, create community, make friends. You can't go find new friends in a new community, but you can find a new golf simulator, right? And so Devin came and met and, and he wanted to, Devin's company's called Transformation Fitness. Um, I think he would, maybe was working at one property at that point and trying to figure mm-hmm. out the world. He's a trainer by background. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and it was all about how do we, I was trying to figure out how do we engage this, um, this amazing common area that we're building. And Devin came and, and within 10 minutes, it was like, Devin, we're going to work with you. The next, we, we spoke, met for, I blocked three minutes and we met for three hours. And yeah. from there, I was like, I want to use your business to go and create this like amazing platform that sends a community and um, capture this like health and wellness trend as well. And, mm-hmm. and essentially, I kind of helped advise him into this bigger amenities engagement platform, which he has built through an amazing amount of work. And um, he's really good at what he does uh, into TF Living, which is, you know, arguably the biggest at this point kind of amenity. Yeah, it's amazing, right? So I see him like they have new buildings every day. Oh, it's always awesome. on, uh, so, yeah, on LinkedIn. Like kind of early heavy advisor. And I sit on the board of that business um, with along with some great venture investors. So that was a, like a really early um, into the space. And that just cemented like we can scale this thing really fast. It's not the hard asset. I'm, I'm having so much fun. Um so yeah, I, I, to answer your question, I uh, shut we shut the the casino down. I started thinking like, what you know, what am I going to do? And started to think about other startup ideas. And um, my brother went to Wake Forest and was at an alumni event in DC, and and met a guy named David Sullivan. And David uh, is also a, a Wake alum. And David had been at age twenty seven the chief operating officer of one of the early institutional single family rental funds that rolled up a bunch of um, nice. foreclosures in the Southeast and, mm-hmm. uh, was backed by a, uh, ultra high net worth family office out of the DC area. And, um, they, they invest about 250 million. They sold the business to the first publicly traded single family rental REIT called Silver Bay Realty Trust. Yep. David then went internal to that investor and was starting to think about starting something. 
in and around the rental housing space using fintech as the the platform and had breakfast with him um very kind of complimentary skill sets and it was just immediately like this is one of the smartest people i've ever met and i just want to do whatever it takes to work with him uh Mm -hmm. wasn't ready yet i went and got a job um uh, with a, a regional uh, group called Urban Atlantic in DC area, great people, and uh, it just like I just kept talking with David, and and finally was ready. Uh, once he kind of pulled it out of the venture company, I joined him as a co-founder. That's awesome. And so, what's you get this idea? I get a lot of ideas, right? I get a lot of great ideas. Oh yeah, but I, I don't, I don't, <laughs> I don't turn them into companies. I mean, maybe I want to. Part of it is like, how the hell do you do it? Like, what do you do when you're like, you get a really smart guy, you're a smart guy, got a great idea. Like, what's the next step? Well, it's, uh, yeah, it's interesting, right? I've now, I've, I've done it in a different capacity a couple of times and, and coming out of a Sino, I really learned, like, I had no idea what I was doing. So it was probably a really good thing. I learned a lot. <laughs> um, and David did a really good job of, you know, he, he had a great outcome with this investor and this investor is a, it's called route 66 ventures. They are mm-hmm. a FinTech investor. Um, you know, they're in things like ripple. So really big, uh, there's some really big FinTech deals and, um, they, David convinced them to let him be the entrepreneur in residence after being an investor there for a few years and then spun till essentially started till within it. And, and they were the initial seed investor and I joined him soon after that. So, um, I've gotten, I've gotten the benefit of, of having a really smart guy like David and our, another co-founder's name is Dan Beekler. He was actually the, mm. the chief strategy officer and general counsel. He's, he's our chief strategy officer. He's the general counsel of Silver Bay. So he bought David's company. Uh, that's oh, how they, yeah. that's, that's helpful. Yeah. Yep. And he's a GC. So he has, all the legal stuff that we need, you know, cover David. Was, Good to have an attorney. You need an attorney. David was a CPA. He's got all the account. <laughs> so I was, and you got the, and you got the good looks. Hey, we know everybody, everybody's got to contribute somehow. <laughs> um, but no, I, I had the, I knew coming out of, of the previous experience that I wanted to do it again. I loved it. Even though it was really hard and we had a crazy ending. Like I loved it. Couldn't wait to do it again, but I knew I wanted to do it differently. And so I was able to leverage one, their skill sets. And David had already done much of the work. I mean, he had spun it out and he was, he was there and he had uh, a, a really um, woman named Abby Kirk. She's on our leadership team. She's uh, based in Atlanta. She was there. Um, and, and then we had this incredibly supportive investor in Route 66 um, who you know, we worked out of their office and out, uh, early on. So it, the one thing, I mean, I've learned in a million things, but without question, the, the team is the most important thing in starting and in succeeding. Um, and so I was able to, to take advantage of uh, people a lot smarter than me um, that have all the things that I, I, I didn't have, that I realized I didn't have. Um, and so it's been, a, it's been a great fit. It's awesome, man. So what's the, what's the next, so what's your target type of landlord that you're, you're going after? Is there a certain kind of demographic? Yeah. yeah area question. of the country, area of the country. Yeah, we're national. I mean, we're, we can be national. We're with this, you know, with, with the flexible rent platform, which we, which we rolled out in April, it's already in 15 States and growing every day. 
um, can be in, in all 50. Uh, but really, I think that, you know, the target, the target property is, you know, everything from a solid B, B plus down to C workforce and, and, you know, renter pay affordable. Um, we tend to partner with uh, larger properties that have on-site management team, but that's not always the case. Um, we're rolling out with a, a West Coast landlord that owns a lot of smaller urban buildings, um, older. And, and, but yeah, it's really the, you know, it's a kind of that, that profile of a property, you know, in the, in the, the landlord often controls so anywhere from 2,500 to 75,000 units or more. I mean, we're, we've got partnerships with some of, with, with ownership groups and, and are deployed through the likes of Pinnacle and, and Lincoln and things yeah. like that. So that's awesome. And as a chief growth officer, are you, is your job just going on podcasts, calling, you know, calling, calling landlords? Are you out there? Like, I mean, you're a personable guy. You're, you know, you, I'm sure you know that. I mean, are you <laughs> going to go into conferences during normal times, all that kind of stuff? Is that like most of your, most of your day or most of your, most of your, your, your job now? Yeah. So, you know, we've been doing a lot of planning recently and, you know, the, the growth org at till, um, is probably similar to like the revenue org, and, and you know it's just it could be a CRO title. So I, I ever see um, kind of sales or growth, which we, and that's what we call kind of bringing new landlords and signing new units onto the platform. Then we have a, a partner success function. So that is once we have a landlord onto the platform, how do we manage that landlord, create an incredible experience for them, and grow into more of their units. And then um, also marketing. And, and so that's a, a, a new thing. Uh, marketing being um, renter marketing, driving renters to the application to, in, in, to engaging with Till. Um, mm -hmm. So yeah, it's kind of, and those are three parallel organization, three parallel um, pieces of the organization. One does not report into the other or one is, um, and, and so, yeah, but, but the majority of my time up to now has been on, um, yeah, just going out, talking to, talking to, to, to owner operators, managers, and, um, trying to create relationships with them to work with them and then managing those relationships going forward. Um, and then I, I do, a I do a lot of support work with David on, you know, organizational structure, uh, strategy, future product strategy, and, and fundraising. Is it, I mean, it, the real estate industry is notorious for being old, <laughs> frankly. Right. And so you got, and it's, it's a lot of it. I mean, there are the, you hear about the big names out there, but a lot of it's owned by like families. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and they, they own the stuff forever. They never sell it. Uh, and they're kind of happy with what they're doing. Mm -hmm. Right. How do you, I mean, is there, do you like, all right, all right, who, I got to find the son of this guy, or I got to find, <laughs> I got to find the second. How, I mean, what's, how, what's the reaction or the pushback or the feedback from the real estate industry about property technology in general, but, but you guys specifically? Yeah, it's a great question. And it's one that I'm, um, con uh, probably the, the question that is most top of mind, uh, for me all the time. Um, yeah. you know, there, there's a lot of these like older properties, they cash flow really well, even though like 25% of the renters are paying late every single month. Um, and, and so 
uh, on one side going into to a guy who's owned that property for 20 years and saying like, hey, we can help take your cash on cash return from 15 or 20 to 25 or 30. Like, mm. like yeah, 20 is pretty good. Um, <laughs> yeah. But, you know, there's always um, there's always a pain point. And it's, it's about figuring out what that pain point is for whomever you're talking to. And, and on the, you know, on the, he's, that owner still has people that, that need to operate those properties and, you know, operating, you know, B and C, you know, especially C-class housing is, is really challenging. There is, you know, when the renter dealing with late rent, it's completely reactive. It is completely manual. There's no data to understand is a renter going to pay or not? Why are they late? What's going on with them? How can we best uh, work with them? And so we bring that. And people at the site level and at the operational level, regional, you know, vice president, et cetera, like they often like, yeah, they want to make their job more efficient. Um, but they also oftentimes like they get close to the renters. These are people that have been there for a long time. Yeah. And yeah. and they they really do want to help that renter succeed. And and so it's all again finding the right entry point at each organization. And then, you know, providing them the resources and tools to, to help tell the right story internally, because they're going to know better than me. And I try my best to figure out what the, the pain points are at each level of the organization when we're talking to folks. But they, they're going to know what their owner is most concerned about. So try to learn from them and, and figure out the right way through the org. Sounds like a no brainer if you're a landlord. I think so. You should come help uh, me. That's you, you got uh, it. I am right now. That's what we're doing. <laughs> <laughs> what do you guys? I mean, have you, you? You said you mentioned a couple new products you guys are offering. Are you? What do you see? What's What's the growth plan in the next couple of years? Yeah, it's it's definitely to to continue to. Uh, we already are a multi product platform, but it is to be a you know a significantly expansive multi product platform that. That all that uses this this analytics foundation that we've built that that doesn't frankly exist anywhere else in the space, and and all align all at this this inflection point of like optimizing the relationship between the renter and the man, and 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 their landlord. Um, so you know we we have a roadmap. There's a lot of things on that roadmap, but there are multiple points along the the life cycle of that relationship between the landlord and the renter. And we can use this foundation that we've built to improve on all of them. How does that mm -hmm. renter find their right unit? Especially how does that landlord qualify that renter into the right unit? How do you qualify them into the right lease structures? How do you work with them if they're delinquent? Um, how do you, how do you set, continue to set them up at every renewal and so on and so on. So there's a lot there. Um, but our, our goal is we, I think that there, we can, we can drastically improve that relationship uh, for both sides. Yeah. sounds like it. That's awesome. And it seems like it's, yeah, I mean, I'm, I can, I'm not, I'm not a landlord. Uh, I mean, I'm going to invest into some properties, but not, I'm not actually managing them. And it seems like that's, yeah, that's like the biggest headache, right? Just making sure you're getting paid your rent on time. Um, awesome, man. Well, congratulations. Uh, are you ready for the hot seat? Let's do it. The Hot Seat is sponsored by KK Reset. KK Reset is an HR management and outsourcing consulting firm that specializes in helping organizations to reset their culture, structure, and path. 
They do this through services which include comprehensive consultation to identify gaps and opportunities for corporate training programs, HR services, and career mapping services. They've collaborated with nonprofits, startups, and academic organizations to protect them from liabilities, reduce turnover, and preserve their brands. They have also collaborated with a number of my clients on the real estate front who are not large enough to have their own in-house HR program. So they outsource it to KK Reset. KK Reset comes in, maybe sits on site a couple days a week and provides you know everything you need from an HR perspective for your, for your firm. So it's a great uh, resource for those shops who just maybe doesn't make sense for them to have in-house HR function. Um, so please check them out at kkreset.com, K-K-R-E-S-E-T.com. You know, you told me you were going to send me these questions in advance, but you didn't. So I'm really coming in here. Gosh, uh, I thought you told me you were going to listen to the podcast. Well, I guess we both, we both lied. <laughs> <laughs> well, my apologies. I thought I sent them to you, but they're not that hard. You can't, you know, there's no wrong answer. Let's except go. For the third one, except for the third one can be wrong. Uh, any books that you recommend can be related to entrepreneurism, romantic comedies, mm. life, real estate. Yeah. Yeah. I've got a lot of, I mean, I think a lot of people love, I loved shoe dog. Uh, I just, yeah, I love that. That was a great. I one. just thought that was such a a real uh, story of building a bit, building a business. Um, I, you know, I, I, I try to use reading to fall asleep and to help me kind of relax my brain. So I get into some of these like uh, CIA type thriller books. Uh, Gabrielle Alon and Mitch Rapp are two of the, <laughs> the characters. And you- well, you are in the DC area, so I can picture yourself. That's right. But no, I try to go in, in like, uh, I'll go kind of read, uh, I love to read about, about people who have done it and done it successfully. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't love to read at all. I, I frankly hate reading about like, um, business theory and such, but I like to read real stories about how people did it. So I'll kind of rotate between a shoe dog or, um, yeah, actually a really interesting story on the, the Koch brothers. That's not a test. No, no, uh, uh no look into my politics, but um, there's a really good book on 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 how they built that business. Uh, oh, really? Yeah, I, I would love to read that. And then rotate it with kind of a, a pay less attention kind of CIA type thriller book. Good answer. See, you didn't need a you didn't need a, you didn't need that question ahead of time. There we go. Uh, how about well, I usually ask podcast recommendations, but I'm still going to ask. But during COVID, I started asking for TV recommendations. Yeah. Um. I just finished Yellowstone and okay. Yellowstone was awesome. Is that about Yogi Bear? Uh, it is not, it's je- not. Yellowstone, sorry. <laughs> no, it was on the <laughs> Paramount Network. Have you seen Secession? Did you? Oh, you've not uh, seen Secession? What's that? That's the, uh, the story. I think it was on HBO or Showtime. It's the the uh, the family in New York. Who oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I've seen a couple episodes. It got like kind of dark for me. Murdoch's family is the inspiration. Got a little dark for me, but yeah, it yeah, is yeah. pretty dark. Yellowstone's kind of dark too, but uh, it's a similar story of like fa- family, huge family, uh, inter- um, huge family empire business. Yellowstone is out of the biggest uh, landowner in in um, in Montana. Owns this massive the Yellowstone okay. Ranch and his fa- yeah. family issues and people trying to take his land. It was really, it was really good. Um, and then uh, yeah, Shit's Creek, awesome. Yeah, that's good. Hilarious. Yeah, that's a good one. So yeah. that's more my style. There we go. Yeah. I like, again, I rotate in and out. It depends on what, what my mood is. Yeah. 
what do you like to do outside of work? Yeah, I mean, right now is uh, is all about work and family. Is is really? I've got three little kids. We were talking about that with school earlier. Um, yeah. But that that's a majority of my time. I try to spend as much time as I can with them. Um, I love to golf. I don't play nearly as much as I used to. And I love to be on the water. I grew up in Annapolis, Maryland. So any any time I can spend on a boat, uh, I love. And I love to ski. But three things that I, I, I don't get to do nearly as much as I would like. Um, but right now we're you know, I'm having more fun professionally than I've ever had. I'm, I'm working more than I've ever had. Um, but, um, you know, when I'm not doing that, I try to try to be with my, my wife and kids. That's great. What advice would you give to your 20 year old self? Oh, it's a great question. Uh, it's actually one I think about a lot, uh, maybe not in that specific context, but when, when we, you know, when I've been through a crazy, uh, career experience through, you know, shutting down a business and, and I got kind of like, I don't know if philosophical is the right word on it, but um, I have this idea that like life is not about happiness. It's about being fulfilled. And, and um, yeah. you know, the, the first step to being fulfilled is being, being able to be very, uh, very real with yourself, like what matters to me. And, and that is always evolving. So part of that is always kind of being in touch with what really matters and, you know, and, and then go and, and kind of map it out. Like, what is your, how do you, how do you create this like fulfillment equation that makes that, that adds up to a hundred. And, and so mine, mine, when I was 20 is very different than mine today. Yeah. Um, so I think like the answer to your question is, yeah, is, is self-awareness. Try to do whatever you can to be self-aware and, and then point that in a direction and focus your time on like, what actually fulfills you? What do you like to do? And I, there are a lot of people that I've talked to about this that think it's like, oh, you know, it's, it's money and it's this and that. And like, yeah, I mean, money is important, right? It allows you to live the life that fulfills you. And, um, but once they kind of break it down, it's like, oh, I'm actually, I was doing that because it kind of seemed cool, but it's not actually mm -hmm. something that gets me going. So I think that's it. Try to, Try to be in touch and be real with yourself, and and um, you'll save yourself a lot of a lot of time. And um, I think uh, I mean, there's been a general like reflection in, during this COVID period. People have been forced to like you're not going to your same office every day. Same, same the routine gets normal and we get comfortable in it. And then all of a sudden, I know for me, like it was like, holy shit! Like, what am I doing with my life? Like, you know, like am I doing things that I care about? And uh, I think a lot of people went through that. And uh, um, but then the world starts up again, people start going to work and they forget all about it. So yeah, yeah and, and that's, <laughs> I totally agree with you. Um, and I think you heard a lot about that and probably, you know, may when this was still kind of new and now everyone's just like, I want to get back to the office. Uh, <laughs> yeah. but no, I think it's important to just like constantly check in with yourself. Like, am I doing what's important? Do you do anything I do? I mean, just, uh, this is not one of the questions, but I, I do. I meditate regularly. I do journaling. I do like, I talk to like a performance coach, life coach type of person, whatever you want to call them. So I'm like, yeah, I'm in, I'm on that wave. Like, man, I'm always trying to figure out like, what's am I in alignment with my higher self or purpose, or whatever you want to call it? Like, or am I just like doing tasks daily just to do tasks? Are you, do you do any practices? Uh, you know, I don't. And I think that, and I, I'm, 
I think I'm pretty lucky. Like I am, I've always been pretty self-aware. Um, and I, I find that to be one of like my most fortunate traits. Um, but I, I like, I just, I, th- I think a lot, like I think and I think about the future and I strategize both till and personally. And, um, and I, I am able on a regular basis to check in with myself. I, I try to exercise a lot. Uh, mm. and I, you know, that's one thing now that's that, especially during this, I get up very early and I, and I, and I, that's my solo time and, um, cycle and such. And so that's time for me to think and kind of, uh, take my head out of the, the work stuff and the family stuff. And, and so that, that is a, that's probably my best thinking time to just kind of stay in touch and check in with myself. But no, I, I don't do anything. I know a lot of people that do, and it's a you know, journaling, especially and meditation. I've started recently trying headspace, which is, you know, I've enjoyed it, but I haven't saved. I just use calm. It's like a 10 minute, like guided meditation. Yeah. Um, I don't know if it, I don't know if it affects me, but I definitely feel better about myself for doing it. <laughs> yeah. Well, you, you know, it's a, uh, it's a trend right now. You're, you're I, know. I, I was trend. there. I'm very much. Oh yeah. I'm on trend. I, I'm a, you know, I'm a, I'm a front runner. <laughs> uh, what do you look for? Maybe not necessarily for, for, for Till, but just in general, like throughout your career, you've been in leadership roles. What do you look for in hiring people? Well, we are hiring right now. I've had a couple calls today, so it's a, it's a very timely question. Um, you know, from a, from a corporate culture standpoint, and this aligns, you know, I've had, I've tried to be very active in, in the corporate culture that we've set up. So I think this is reflective of personally what I'm looking for. Like, I am a very unstructured person. I just kind of go out and wing it and follow my gut. And and I've spent a lot of time over the last six months trying to put in foundational structures to hire so that somebody can step in. Because not everybody is like that. Um, like and somebody can step in and be successful out of the gate. But I, you know, I want somebody who is self-motivated, um, <clears throat> who, you know, likes is, is, is oriented with our mission. Like we are very much here to make money and make money for landlords. Um, but we can do that alongside this like very committed mission to like helping this renter and, and, uh, those folks that are maybe not as financially secure as, as other people. Um, so that's important, especially for till, um, the, the commitment to the mission and it actually like being a driving force and, and a motivating force. Um, and then, yeah, like, self-starter, you know, we do not have paid time off and things like that. Like you want to take some time, take some time. I want like, it is very much like I want to get to know somebody and I want to be able to like that person sit next to me and and I trust them and they trust me. And I know that you're always going to do the right thing and you're working hard and you're getting your things done. And, um, you know, so I think that's like integrity, commitment to the mission, hard work and just like also somebody I want to, I really respect and I want to spend time with because we, we spend a lot of time together with people you work with. Well, Brady Nolan, co-founder and chief growth officer at Till. Thank you for your time. I appreciate it. This was fun. Thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed it. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the TBG real estate podcast. Please visit us online at tbg-realestate.com or on Instagram at tbg.realestate. Until next time, have a great week.